Broadcasting live to the world, now, it's Sheila Zielinski. Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this October 6th, 2015 edition. I broadcast weekdays. That's Monday to Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the Saturday night show is on WINB and Worldwide Christian Radio at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Please do go to social media and add me on those as well. Twitter, Facebook, and sign up for my YouTube channel as well as my podcast. All that information is there on the website. And as far as the app goes... When the bugs are worked out, that is going to be an amazing app. It's just one click to the episodes is going to be really fantastic. So do be patient for that. I've been being patient myself, so it's going to be great when it is ready. I just want to make a statement here. It's kind of common sense, but I want to make a disclaimer today. I don't agree with all my guests. In fact, some things that my guests say I strongly disagree with. So I want to make sure, you know, folks, I'm getting some pretty abhorrent emails and comments and people call themselves a Christian and they're talking like that, swearing, using abhorrent language, statements that I can't even repeat on air because it's just so vile. So all I'm saying is please govern yourself and what you say on social media and on comments all out there. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, we should always be governing ourselves. That information is out there for the world to see. I have Facebook friends that have children that see those posts. So if you're going to post something on any of my stuff, I hope you are acting accordingly. And if you don't agree with everything I say, that's fine. That's fine. We can agree to respectfully disagree. However, vile is not okay. So please do think about what I just said. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ as a Christian, so you better start acting like it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm very excited to have on my guest today. It is Josh Peck, the author of Quantum Creation, Cherubim Chariots, and the host of The Sharpening Report. He's a biblical researcher into Bible prophecy and eschatology. He uses quantum physics to help explain phenomena surrounding mysteries, topics, UFOs, CERN. He's been featured on TV and radio shows, including Prophecy in the News with Gary Stearman, Skywatch TV, so many more. And it's great to have him with us today. You can find his handiwork at ministry.com. Josh, this is your first time. It is an honor to have you on the show. Hopefully one of many more to come. It's great to have you on the program. Welcome. Well, it's so good to be on, Sheila. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me, and I'm I'm really excited to uh, to talk about what we have to talk about today. 
Absolutely. Well, now, Josh, you wrote a book called Quantum Creation, Does the Supernatural Lurk in the Fourth Dimension? So it's really a scientific and theological journey through quantum mechanics, time and the fourth spatial dimension. Now, you wrote another book called Cherubim Chariots, in which the brilliant Mark Flynn wrote the forward to brother to the late great David Flynn. Now, when a person uses the phrase scientific and theological in the same phrase, because those are really tough ideologies to reconcile, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it can be tough. And that's what I wanted to show in, in really both books, but especially quantum creation, is that the, the problem isn't so much that science isn't compatible with the Bible. It's that the interpretations of science aren't compatible with the interpretations of certain Bible passages. And it's something that in the book I refer to as observation versus interpretation. Science does it a lot. We, even as Christians, we do it too. Everybody kind of looks at the world through their own filter. But um, the, the ways that like a Christian would do it is if we, you know, read a Bible passage, you know, the observation is that, you know, the words of the passage, you know, the passage exists. The interpretation is what, what we're going to decide that passage means to us. A good example of that is, say, like the rapture debate. You know, there's like three or four main views on, you know, when the rapture is going to happen. And they all pretty much look at the same set of verses, but come up with different interpretations. Uh, well, science does that, too. Um, there's observations. And, and my particular field of interest is in quantum physics. And, and I decided to use that because it, it, I'm just drawn to it. It's fascinating. But also it's uh, kind of projected as the most complicated science out there. And in a lot of ways it is, but it doesn't have to be. Um, you know, particle physicists, they'll, they'll, you know, do an experiment and observe the results. But many times, and this is why I think the church has gotten so far away from science and, you know, the majority of the church doesn't want to deal with it, is because when they put their findings out there for, for the rest of us, they'll include their own interpretation of what it's supposed to mean for the world, but, you know, they, they don't make that distinction and they call the whole thing fact. Um, and a good example of that is when the Higgs boson was discovered in 2012, it was called the God particle. Right. And, you know, us as Christians, you know, we, we could say, well, yeah, every particle is a God particle because God created it and that's fine. But from a scientific standpoint, the Higgs boson really doesn't have anything you know, special or godlike about it that sets it apart from from any other particle in existence. I mean, it's it's an interesting particle, and you know, it does some pretty cool things. But it it, it was more of like a marketing thing. So, uh, you know, that upset a lot of Christians, and it even upset a lot of scientists too. There were a lot of scientists that didn't really like that term. Um, but the idea that the Higgs boson had anything to do with religion at all, I mean, that that's an interpretation. That was one person's opinion, and it just got, you know, got blown up. So throughout the book, I talk about observation versus uh, interpretation. We can we can accept scientific facts, and and you know we can talk about that too, because sometimes it's hard to know what's real information and what's disinformation. But you know, on the broad scope of things, we can accept the facts, but we don't have to accept the interpretation attached to them. And if we can start looking at science that way, I, I think science as a whole could be more accessible to the church, which is important, especially quantum physics, because there's so much that they're developing nowadays. And it, I believe it's going to play a major part in uh, end times prophecy. So it's a, it's a good idea to at least get a basic understanding of these things now. 
Well, and you wrote a book on CERN. My good friend Tom Horn's publishing it. Now, Tom Horn wrote a very interesting chapter in his recent book called Secrets of the CERN Stargate. That becomes more prescient every day. With science, the portal concept is perfectly respectable, which probably explains why the research director over there at CERN, physicist Sergio Bertolucci, he says the LHC could open a door and out of this door might come something or we might send something through it. That's a really interesting statement, I'd say, Josh. Whether it's CERN, magnetosphere disruption, plasma conduits, directed energy weapons, the quantum computing, nanotech, biotech, holographic tech. I mean, this really is an eclectic mishmash of horror that's unfolding, isn't it? Absolutely. And you know what? I believe a lot of this is deliberate, though I don't think every physicist does this deliberately. I, you know, I think there's a greater agenda behind a lot of this stuff. But the way that they communicate these things to the public, they do it in a way that makes the public think there is no way I can understand this. You know, this is way too technical. You got to be a genius to understand this stuff. And there is a lot about quantum physics that's mysterious. But it, it, the main concepts are not impossible, as they would have you believe. They're not impossible to grasp. So, uh, for example, in my in my uh, newest book, it, it's not out yet, but it will it will be shortly, hopefully, um, about CERN. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are misunderstood or not understood properly about CERN, and it's not. I, I don't believe it's the fault of the public. You know, besides maybe just not researching as, as, as much as we need to just with all the disinformation around. But I think the responsibility is more on the physicists that try to, you know, explain things in too technical of a language or things get blown out of proportion a, a lot of yeah. times too. But I think that whoever the upper echelons that are in control are actually using that tactic as, uh, you know, a maneuver to be able to, so they can do whatever they want and get away with it, you know, uh, so people won't be looking, you know, I mean, if I, if, if I feel like I'm too stupid to be able to understand something, chances are I'm not going to go and look really deeply into that thing, you know. Uh, and I, I think that they're relying on that to do a lot of these things like opening doorways and all, all these just insane experiments. And the scariest thing about it is is they they admittedly have no idea what they're doing. You know, they, they know how to conduct the experiments, but they don't know. What, one of one of the objectives of uh, the Large Hadron Collider at, at CERN, and also the, the new particle accelerator that they're going to be building, the, the linear uh, collider, I, I think they're looking at building it in Japan within the next couple of years or so. Well, the top of the list, they want to explore higher dimensions and even measure them. And the way that they do that is by creating miniature black holes, which sounds terrifying because, I mean, that's something that we know virtually nothing about. You know, they have mathematicians and stuff that weigh out the pros and cons and try to predict the the chances of something catastrophic happening. And it's it's never impossible. You know, they, they never come back and say, you know, this catastrophic thing it's it, it's impossible that this would happen it won't happen there's always a chance and then they they make the decision well the, the risk is you know it's it's worth it, it it's kind of like the you know when they built the bomb and they thought that they were gonna ignite the atmosphere but they went ahead and did it anyway we're kind of doing the same thing now but it's just quantum technology instead of nuclear technology so yeah it, it it gets into some scary areas but the the biggest thing is that they're presenting the information in a way that 
I, you, you almost have to have a, a degree or a master's degree to understand this stuff. So what I, what I try to do in my books is get my head around it the best I can and then present it in a way that anybody can understand. And I mean, I've, I've had kids as young as 14 or 15 write me and tell me they, they can understand my books and they love it. And I've had people as old as in their 80s or 90s uh, email me and, and tell me that they can understand it just fine. Well, and it's really important to be able to present it in a way that isn't over people's heads. You alluded to that earlier, is all this information tends to dissuade people from even wanting to read it when it's very scientifically based. Now, you mentioned CERN, and I think one of the things that perplexes people is why is the symbol over at CERN the Hindu Shiva, the transgender destroyer god? If you look at the third eye, the polos crown, the crescent moon, the war of God of Mars. And if you really do research on that, that really is very disturbing when you think of Kathmandu, the temple Shiva. What is CERN kicking off the cosmic dance of death here to open the fourth dimension? I mean, what's that all about, Josh? Yeah, that's something that I yeah that, that that's something I tackle in the very first chapter of, of the new book because I, I think it is really important. Um, all, all these weird occultish things that they put out there, and especially that statue. Basically, what we're looking at it the mythology behind that statue in front of CERN. It's it's really dramatic, and uh, it's of Shiva. And, and for for people who might not be aware, it's uh, Shiva and the Nataraja dance. Shiva is one of the main deities of Hinduism. He's part of the Trimurti. It's the Hindu trinity. Shiva, this is interesting, is known as the destroyer uh, within the, the trinity. And one depiction um, of Shiva is known as the Nataraja, meaning Lord of the Dance. And th th that's the depiction that embodies that statue at CERN. Uh, so that depiction shows Shiva as the cosmic dancer who performs a divine dance to destroy a weary universe. And he, he does that in order to make preparations for uh, their god Brahma to start the creation process. So the statue shows Shiva in the middle of a circle of flames with it with his left leg raised and balanced over this uh, this demonic dwarf named Apismara, who represents ignorance in their mythology. Um, it's a demon that can't be killed. Uh, Hinduism teaches that there's a balance between ignorance and knowledge. So to kill Apismara would be to throw off the balance. Um, and it would mean knowledge would be without effort or hard work, which, you know, renders it meaningless. And since Apismara can't be killed, uh, Shiva uses his right foot to crush and subdue Apismara during this, this dance thing. So it's believed that Shiva remains in the Nataraja form to forever subdue Abhismara. And what's interesting is there's an inscription on that statue. Uh, it's a quote by physicist uh, Fritjof Kapra, uh, which states, uh, hundreds of years ago, Indian artists created visual images of dancing Shivas in a beautiful series of bronzes. In our time, physicists have used the most advanced technology to portray the patterns of the cosmic dance. The metaphor of the cosmic dance thus unifies ancient mythology, religious art, and modern physics. That last part there is really interesting. So, and, and that's something that I write about in quantum creation too, is that uh, science has become a type of religion and it's really, it's really new agey and it's really Gnostic. So in this inscription, there's that connection there made. So given that the mythology behind uh, the statue, and then the types of scientific things that they're doing at CERN. 
it, you know, it's caused a lot of people to wonder if there's a deeper meaning, and I, I certainly wonder that. Um, some have even said that maybe Apis Mara represents the church or, you know, our, our God, and then Shiva represents Satan, and the circle of flame represents a spiritual portal, and uh, Shiva represents Satan traveling through the portal to destroy the church, subdue God, and take over the world. So it's kind of like you know, it's it's the enemy's plans right there, you know, in the in the statue. You know, there are a lot of people that believe CERN and the LHC will be instrumental in that process. And, it, you know, it very well could be. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that they put out there just from that one statue they decided to put in front of their building. Well, and scientists theorize that the particle collisions within the LHC might tear a small hole into four-dimensional space-time, creating a tiny wormhole. Now, in order to manufacture a large traversable wormhole, one would start at the particle level and stretch it up to the navigable size. So even so, when you look at these new studies that propose all these spiral galaxies like our Milky Way already feature wormholes and may even feature some kind of a galactic transport system. Now, do you find it interesting, Josh, that in Bible prophecy, such a portal is actually alluded to? They talk about the bottomless pit releasing genetic monstrosities led by an immortal supernatural being. You know, if you look at Revelation 9-11, it talks about the Hebrew Abaddon and in Greek, the Apollyon. Tom Horn has a book called Apollyon Rising. Many passages, in fact, in the Bible speak of other worldly gates from Genesis 28, Matthew 16, open the gates, ye rulers, of course, in the extra biblical text. So it's just really interesting when you look at the word whirlwind, Ezekiel or even Isaiah. I mean, you look at this traversable wormhole, it kind of denotes a very intriguing explanation, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Yeah. And, um, you know, one, one of the most interesting particles and, and something that they work with at, at sir it, it's never been directly observed but uh the graviton because what, what's so interesting about the graviton is uh its very nature just just it, it naturally uh can traverse uh, dimensions. That's actually a theory of what dark matter actually is. It might be extra dimensional matter, and uh, you know we can measure its gravitational effects because gravity can uh, can travel between dimensions. Um, so uh, with a lot of the experiments that that they're doing, if they ever if they ever harness gravitons, um, I mean they they already do things with the gravitational field. Uh, but if they can ever, uh, you know, there's actually a really interesting documentary, and I, I talked about it in a blog and in this book, um, where uh, the popular physicist Brian Greene, he was he was uh, talking about uh, gravitons and, you know, how they can traverse dimensions and stuff. And he said that, um, you know, at CERN, if they could ever harness gravitons, they might be able to use them as a type of binary code by, you know, changing the spin or something like that, send a string of gravitons through, um, and then set up a detector and see if anything on the other side sends a message back. So that, that's something that physicists are seriously considering. Um, I, I think it's possible that that might, if they ever do that, that might be what actually opens the bottomless pit. That might be the key. Um, now, in the Bible, it says that uh, an angel has the keys to the bottomless pit, you know, so it doesn't say mankind has it. But there might be a type of invitation thing, you know. Um, a lot of times when we have 
uh, you know, and this is something that I've been through personally before I did all this stuff. But when I, I years and years and years and years ago, well, before I was doing all the stuff I'm doing now, I was uh, an active participant in New Age theology, and it nearly ruined my life. But one of the main things that I learned from that experience is when we pull away further from God, we're inviting demons and you know, all these evil things into our lives. In a sense, we're creating we're creating portals for them to come through into our lives. So we're inviting them in. You know, they they work on um, on legalities. I, I think it might be the same here. If if we send a communication beacon out to these higher dimensions by use of gravitons or or you know whatever. That might be the invitation that the angel that has the keys needs to, uh, you know, unlock the door and and essentially come on in. Um, so that's something that I talk about in the book. And what's interesting too is, you know, I mean, I don't know if this means anything, but it's kind of uh, if it does turn out to be gravitons, that would be interesting because in Revelation nine it says, uh, uh, you know, I saw an angel or uh, like a star fall from heaven, and you know, well, falling, that's you know, that's gravity. So I don't know if. if put a little in there for us or, or if I'm just reading into it but um, it, it's it's interesting nevertheless it's also um, mentioned in Luke 10 18 when he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and of course Revelation Absolutely. 9 when the fifth angel when he sounded his trumpet that's what happened there so what's interesting you mentioned Brian Green now in a book about the burgeoning area known as string theory, the elegant universe, Brian Green, who's a physicist and Rhodes Scholar, actually extrapolates back to the moment of creation. In fact, I have his book, and I want to read a really interesting quote in this. He says, as we imagine running the clock backward from the age of the presently observed universe, he says about 15 billion years, which... I don't agree with that, but the universe as we know it is crushed to an ever smaller size. The matter making up everything, every car, house, building, mountain on Earth, the Earth itself, the moon, Saturn, Jupiter, and every other planet and sun and every other star in the Milky Way with its 100 billion stars and each and every one of them, more than a 100 billion galaxy is squeezed by a cosmic vice to astounding density. And as the clock is turned back to ever earlier times, the whole of the cosmos is compressed to the size of an orange, a lemon, a pea, a grain of sand, and to yet tinier sizes still. So what he's saying is they're going to try to extrapolate all the way back to the beginning, quote unquote, the universe would appear to have begun as a point. I mean, they're trying to really go back and erupt this volatile beginning, really, aren't they? Yeah, and that, that's why the LHC, the, the Large Hadron Collider, it's it's literally called the Big Bang Machine, because that that's that's the types of things that they're dealing with. And you know, there's 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 no way that anybody can accurately measure the type of consequences that could come from tapping into something like that. You know, I mean, they there there there's just no way. It's it's completely unknown territory. Yet they push on, they do it anyway, and they suppress a lot of the truth to the public so they can do whatever they want. Yeah, but don't you find it interesting, Josh, that Green is really tap dancing around the coherence problem for matter by saying it began as a point? Well, what exactly is a point? He refers to these zero-dimensional point particles. Well, scientists are always accusing theologians of abstraction, and if that isn't complete abstraction at its finest, I don't know what is. 
<laughs> yeah, no okay. See, and that's that's why these physicists they talk to you know the rest of us as if they're talking to other physicists, and they don't you know they don't bother to to take the time to explain themselves. And it's the same thing that they hate it. You know, when we do that, you know, like when we speak Christianese, you know, that's a common term that's <laughs> used, uh, and we don't explain ourselves. They they can't stand it. Yet they're doing the same thing. So there's a double standard there. Um, but yeah, like the the whole point, basically what he's saying with the the point thing, a point is measured by what's called the Planck length, and it's it's an indivisible unit of length. That's something that I wrote about in quantum creation. A, as it turns out, every everything in existence is made of indivisible units, uh, which is mind blowing. So the Planck length, if I remember right, it's negative ten to the thirty-five centimeters. It's incredibly, incredibly small, way smaller than a, a quark or any other subatomic particle. It's the smallest size possible, so that's called a point. And actually, time has that, too. It's 10 to the minus 43 seconds. Um, you know, we kind of look at time, think of time as fluid, or it's really more like a film strip or, or like a flip book. Time is actually divided in these uh, 10 to the minus 43 second slices of three-dimensional space, and it just runs on, but mind-blowing stuff. It is mind-blowing stuff. And I think the point here is that if materialism is a coherent worldview, then matter is its fundamental reality. Green admits that matter is an uncertain entity. And if they'll really admit it, these scientists, they know that they can only account for a very small percentage of the measured gravity in space. I mean, look at over the last decade, even astronomers have discovered that every galaxy is surrounded by a supermassive gravity source. So in other words, science only accounts for less than 5% of reality. And if you throw in quantum mechanics in the mix, you can hardly understand it. So if you really consider the astonishing lack of knowledge, one has to marvel at the enduring pathological denial regarding the supernatural. I mean, that extends to naturalists. They're losing their faith in this promissory materialism, and that would even extend to evolutionary biology as well. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing is that materialism completely falls apart on the quantum level. Yes, yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, they're 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 in the process of coming up with a, a new ism that'll replace materialism, and I I think it's going to be, uh, it, it's going to be more new agey. I mean that that seems to be the the direction it's heading is this new age stuff. You know, thoughts are things, and. Uh, all, all these all these strange doctrines but they're they're going to have to come up with some something that explains the theology behind behind what they're observing because materialism just doesn't work <laughs> are you surprised josh with this very intense cross pollination between the computer the biotech now of course all we're inundated with robots or merging robots with humans and that's no doubt going to give unprecedented power in the 21st century because it's always these very anti-humus themes like when you look at the eugenesis that created biotech they really envisioned the genetic code and the double helix in the 1860s these new world mad scientists they really are breaching the line here they're really 
crossing over in this ultra high tech dream using radical advancements in technology, augmenting the human body and mind and ultimately the entire human experience, meriting the label post human. I mean, this really is Huxley's 21st century vision of a scientific dictatorship. It's kind of the ultimate form of control and servitude, creating a race of genetically engineered cybernetic slaves brain chip for total control, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're looking at any way that they can to make that a reality and as cost effective as possible. Um, I I actually just found an article, posted it up on on my website. DARPA just gave MIT Lab $32 million to to actually program living cells. But even beyond that, they're even exploring options on a quantum level. One of the biggest mysteries in quantum physics is what is consciousness? That's something that Right. Most physicists, they won't even talk about. And if they do, they'll they'll admit we don't know. <laughs> um, ba- basically, what one idea that might be correct in quantum field theory, that's that's like a branch of, of quantum physics. Uh, it's re- it's really interesting. It talks about basically how particles interact with fields and things like that. For example, like the Higgs field, when a particle interacts with the Higgs field, that interaction is what gives the particle mass. Um, so that's like an example when a particle or or when we interact with the gravity field you know we get we get pulled together with the earth then so that's what that study looks at well the uh, there's an idea it's called uh, quantum brain dynamics there's an idea that consciousness might be an uh, an interaction with the field there might be a a particle a quantum particle you know it's hypothetical at this point but they've named these hypothetical particles a uh, corticons that when they interact with an unknown field, you know, an undiscovered field, that that might be what produces consciousness. And they're interested in that because if it does, that's something that they can experiment with at the LHC at CERN for relatively little cost. It's it's the same cost as they're using to run the machine all the time anyway, so there's no extra cost. But the scary thing is, if that's true, uh, and I don't know if it is. Most physicists don't believe so, but there's there's no other real leading theory about it. So, but if that's true, if if consciousness is just an interaction in the cortical field, they would be able to manipulate that. Not only manipulate it in people that already exist, but they'd be able to create it in a lab. They'd be able to create consciousness at the LHC. Now, from their standpoint, what's more cost efficient to uh, hire? and train a, you know, a thousand programmers to try to come up with some kind of code for artificial intelligence and then build the machinery around it and do all that, or do the same experiments that they're already doing. And once they can measure that interaction, that would be the easier and more cost-effective way to go, but it's also the most dangerous. From a Christian standpoint, I don't know if consciousness can be created like that. I, I, I would be more inclined to believe if they do something like that, it's probably a demon or, or something. I don't think that we can create life like that. Ray Kurzweil and his band of transhumanist Merry Men actually said that on record at a conference that consciousness, as you just alluded to, is just a simple interaction in the cortical field. So they think they can manipulate it. So that's really a frightening concept, though. And when you look at some of these very nefarious DARPA projects, you mentioned DARPA, and they're a really strange player in the push towards transhumanism. And of course, they funded a very large-scale frightening project in Tokyo where it now has all robot employees. It's replacing men with robots. That's not even a science fiction anymore, is it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's 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 scary. And, you know, imagine what that's going to do to the economy, too, once that idea really takes off and everything's run by machines uh, and just the world. I mean, if they employ artificial intelligence and especially if they harness this cortical field thing, I, I believe it's it's possible that they're going to be putting the consciousness of demons and fallen angels into machines. And especially if these machines are weaponized, like the types of things that DARP is looking into and, and doing now, uh, what's that? I mean, we're looking at like uh, Terminator kind of stuff. It's 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 getting crazy. But the, the scary thing is, there's no accountability. Uh, they're they're allowed to do this stuff with, without any uh, repercussions or you know they they don't have anybody to answer to. The people they they are the ones that people answer to. So they're free to do whatever they want, and we have to be the victims of it. Victims of these weaponized demonic terminators. That sounds really exciting. Josh, in all your research, what is your biggest area of concern? There's a new word, concern. (laughs) Uh, Well, there's this idea that uh, uh, physicist uh, Joe Licken put out. I don't know if CERN or the LHC would be able to do this or not. I'm sure what they're doing isn't going to help. But there's this idea, the the energy of uh, the Higgs field, um, it's actually at, they call it a non-zero resting value. And basically what that means is mo- most fields, you know, when they're at rest, they're at zero energy. You know, it makes sense. Uh, the Higgs field's different. It's at something like 127 GeV or something like that. I, I, I don't know the exact number, but it, it actually has a positive energy as its resting rate. One analogy that's used is like if uh, if you think of every other field as a pendulum, um, that's every field, gravitational field, electromagnetic, you know, everything. The Higgs field is like a pendulum that is fastened to the floor. To put it at zero, you would actually have to add energy by lifting the pendulum up. And even if you could do that, you, you know, it's not going to balance at zero forever. It's going to fall to one side or another. So that that's what it's inclined to do. So the Higgs field is kind of like that. I mean, it's inclined towards a higher energy rate. Interaction with the Higgs field is what causes, it, it creates mass. You know, and the Higgs field is everywhere everywhere in the universe. So the only reason we have mass is because we're interacting with the Higgs field. Um, it's it's everywhere, all points in space. The, the energy rate of the Higgs field is at this volatile kind of weird number between two extremes. Uh, and and the, the extreme that it wants to be at, the physicist will call it more energetically favorable, is at a much higher uh, rate that would just be devastating for the universe. The analogy I use in, in my, my newest book about this is if you imagine a ball at the base of a small hill and then over that small hill is a giant cliff. As long as there's no gusts of wind or anything, <laughs> the ball's going to stay there and it's safe. But if a gust of wind comes along and pushes the ball over that very small hill, uh, it's going to careen off the cliff. The Higgs field is kind of like that. And Joe Licken, uh, he, he said that it would just take a, a small quantum fluctuation, which quantum fluctuations happen all the time. That's actually what a particle is, is a quantum fluctuation. But it would take it would take just the right uh, amount of energy uh, in this quantum fluctuation. And then this bubble would form of the Higgs field in a, a higher energy state, which means everything in that bubble would have a much 
larger mass to the point that particles would become black holes. And this bubble would expand at the speed of light and, you know, eventually engulf the whole universe. And he said that it's absolutely going to happen. The question is when. Just based on probabilities, quantum fluctuations happen all the time. Um, now, he, he says chances are it's not going to happen for billions and billions of years, but he also admits that it very well could happen in five minutes or it could happen, you know, in a year. Or, you know, there's no there's really no telling. But my concern <laughs> is that with uh, everything that the LHC is doing, I, I would be worried that, you know, what if those particle collisions what what if that's going to create that gust of wind that sends the ball careening over the edge of the cliff? They're adding energy to these fields, so conceivably it could happen. Now, I'm a believer in Bible prophecy and everything, and I, I know that there's a lot of things that have to happen before you know anything that catastrophic could take place. But the Bible does say that you know the elements are going to melt with fervent heat, and you know the heavens are set on fire, and all, all these really drastic things. Um, that type of devastation would it would just completely undo reality. The ones that are running these experiment, experiments, they know that yet they still push on because there's no accountability. So as strange and out there as that is, because that could happen at any time, you know, that, that that's one of the things that I'm looking at most right now. Um, then there's also the graviton thing and the communication system. But I mean, they'd have to they'd have to build the system first to, to do that. And, you know, there's the cortical field thing, but they would have to discover corticons. Uh, before they could do that, unless they already have and maybe just aren't telling us. But the Higgs field doomsday scenario, they could create something like that at any time. <laughs> well, and you look at confined beam lines of protons. I mean, people are affected by gravitational changes. And we know that Einstein knew something was off with his original unified theory for the universe. And later in life, in fact, even admitted that he was missing the electoral electrical component to the theory. And you can't separate gravity from electric plasma. Nicholas Tesla attested to that. But you know what's interesting is when you think of all that and you think of the Greek and Roman writings and CERN wanting to reconnect the southern pole of Saturn, I think about the Nazi bell and the red mercury spinning in opposite directions, helical-shaped plasma conduits. That was actually in existence during the golden age. So it seems like they want to crack open the abyss and unleash demonic entities into our dimension in this so-called experiment. I mean, at the same time, they're terraforming. I mean, it's really a frightening plausibility, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, the scary thing is I don't believe that most physicists even realize or know or believe or would even think those types of things are the end goals. But all these decisions are made by higher ups, you know, the higher echelons of all these things. Most of the physicists wouldn't even know that those people exist. Yet that's where the orders are coming from. So, I mean, it's just scary, the lack of accountability. Um, basically, the most evil men in the world uh, in, in our time and possibly in any in, in any time, they're the ones that are making these types of decisions for the rest of us and deciding what kind of world we have to live in. It, it, it's horrible. I guess I think about Russ Dizdar's book, Black Awakening, triggering a scenario in a global scale that could be around a launching of a magnetic frequency. They want to terraform the planet and create this entirely new environment for what a new hybrid race of transmogrified demons? I mean, we're really talking about the Tower of Babel, hidden occult meets weird science, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And most of these 
people. I, I don't believe they're atheists. I, I believe they're Luciferians. And, and you know, yeah. so they, you know, they believe that Lucifer, he's, he's the good guy. Yahweh's the bad guy. And everything's flipped. So that that's the name that they're doing this under. You know, they're doing it for for satanic reasons. But they believe in, in their own eyes. They believe they're doing the right thing. They believe they're doing good. Even Hitler believed he was doing right by the world with all the horrible atrocities he was committing. You know, every, everybody does what's right in their own eyes. That, that's why we need accountability from God. If we don't have that, you know, we have the most evil things imaginable. So I, I, I believe that they believe you know, not only does Lucifer exist, but they, they believe that he's the good guy. He's he's their God. And uh, they want to invite him into our world with all of his all of his angels, all his fallen angels to usher mankind into a new age of uh, peace and prosperity. I, I believe the upper echelons that are putting all these things in place that I think that's what they believe that is going to happen. And boy, are they going to be unpleasantly surprised <laughs> when that doorway is open and these things are free to come in and out as they please it's it's going to be very different than uh what they're imagining well and this whole thing when you take a macro view and you step back and you look at the coalescence of all of it the transhumanism ultimately does not want us to contain the image of god anymore therefore making us unsanctioned and not even eligible for salvation. So it really ties in well with the days of Noah. The UK on record has said in 2012 that over 170 human-animal chimera, human-animal hybrid species exist. They really do take an interest in our DNA. And always these, whether it's Alice Bailey, Manly P. Hall, Madame Blavatsky, they always have a rank obsession with the witchcraft and the occult and bringing back these golden age gods and goddesses, opening portals summoning demons, but it's all a recipe for one big satanically induced meltdown. I mean, really, are they trying to pierce the veil to unleash these spirits of the ages? Is that what's really going on here? I, I believe so. I, I absolutely believe so. And I, I think the, the, the Bible prophesied that, you know, thousands of years ago that we, we would be living in a time, uh, in, in I, and I believe the not too distant future, where that veil is going to be pierced through and and uh, essentially they're going to have free reign to enter in as they please and so you know all all the weird things call them ascended masters or whatever or even aliens or you know whatever name they want to put on them uh, at least right now there seems to be something holding them back for from just completely taking taking control but i believe whenever revelation chapter 9 scenario happens and, and maybe even before that because there are there are things that happen before that too where it seems like things are unleashed but especially then uh, that that's when essentially all uh, literally all all hell is going to break loose and uh i think they have a different idea of what that's going to look like than what the reality is. But, you know, I, I believe that this is something that they've been planning for thousands of years and, uh, you know, technology is now catching up with it. Uh, and, and that goes back to how materialism is breaking down. The, the scientific religion, in a sense, it, it's not materialist, like most believe, you know, science, materialism go hand in hand. Well, that doesn't work anymore, and it hasn't worked for a couple of decades at least. But it, it's becoming more spiritual, more occultish, really. And it really points back to the, the days of Nimrod and the, the Tower of Babel. You know, that, that tower wasn't just that it was a tall tower to reach heaven. You know, they, 
there's more to the story than that. Uh, when you get into the original Hebrew, you get a little bit more in the book of Jasher fills in some blanks. But, you know, basically what I what I believe was going on is they had and I'll explain what I mean by this, but they, they had more technology, they had a higher degree of technology than we do today, but we wouldn't know it if we saw it, you know, I mean, we've dug up ruins and everything that I don't believe it was based on like circuitry or, or uh, motherboards or computers or anything, you know, anything materialist like that. I believe that they were able to harness certain energies that exist through occult means because there there are Satanists and witches that do that today. They can create uh, interdimensional portals just just by you know uh, calling upon the the false gods to do it you know and and harnessing these energies using really nothing more than uh, the the words of their voice or or practices you know they don't need wires and technology and all that and I, I think that is where science is headed because uh, there's this whole idea and it this this burns me up because there's there's this whole idea and it's based on a faulty interpretation because again physicists they a lot of them don't know how to how to talk to the public. Uh, there's this idea that we can control reality with just by our thoughts and, and that that's branched off into things like um, like word of faith movement and all that you know all that garbage and. Um, you know, you just think about it and it'll materialize, you know, it's it's ridiculous. It originally started off, it was uh, an interpretation of a science experiment. There's a there's an experiment called a double slit experiment, and I'm sure most people are probably at least familiar with that, with the idea, like an electron gun. You know, you shoot electrons through uh, two slits, um, and then on the other side of those two slits is a sheet that catches the electrons so you can measure it. And most would assume that the pattern the electrons would take would just be from the two slits. But it actually creates a, a, what's called an interference pattern, uh, which is like a bunch of slits, you know, a bunch of vertical lines. Basically, it shows that electrons behave as a wave, and, you know, and not a particle. So what that really means is that reality is actually made of waves. Einstein showed that with E equals MC squared. Mass and uh, energy are interchangeable because mass really is just kind of like uh, condensed energy. When we look at like a quantum wave, we see a particle because we're human. We have limited perception. We can't. We we, we physically just can't see the wave. So it resolves into a particle. That doesn't mean that when we observe the experiment, some magical thing is happening and things are changing and and the particles are like reacting to us looking at it because they have some sort of consciousness or they react to observations. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. Um, it, it just all it means is that reality is made of waves, but when we look at it, to us, it looks like particles because of our limited perception. That, that's all it is. In, in a sense, I mean, uh, physicist Sean Carroll even said, uh, particles don't really exist. <laughs> that's just how they look to us. So, well, that, you know, when that experiment was done a few decades ago, uh, they, uh, the, the, the scientists at the time completely misrepresented it, and they, they didn't communicate it well to the media, and it got, this idea went, full force into the world that we control things with our mind because the idea was, oh, just from us observing it, it changes the experiment. And it, it doesn't. It's it's just, you know, again, it's just our perception. So that that got, you know, new, the New Age theologians or whatever you want to call them, the, the practitioners of New Age and occultism, they, they loved that idea because that's stuff that they've been believing for forever. 
Gnosticism, you know, got got into this. So all all these all these false religions took that idea, totally ran with it, and now we have now and it, it it's come full circle back into the physics community where that's actually kind of taught as scientific doctrine, but it's just it's not. It's technic. It's just not right. That idea is getting projected into how they're looking at science for you know the, the the future they know that since there is a quantum world um and there's there's more of nothing than there is of something materialism falls apart so they got to come up with something new so one area that they're looking into is oh you know we change things with our perceptions or you know we uh and, and like like i said even the you know the word of faith stuff has has gotten a hold of that, and they they claim it's a Christian doctrine, and it's not. Any anybody listening to this that thinks that that is, it's it's absolutely not. It's full full fledged Antichrist doctrine. But uh, so I I think that's that's the direction because that gained such popularity. That's the direction that that science is headed because we we got to remember too they they need funding for their experiments. So they need to uh, explain things to uh, potential donors uh, in a way that's exciting. So what's more exciting? Uh, yeah, reality is waves, but we can't see them. It's, it's, we see particles, but that's just because we're limited and you know we, we just don't have the capability. Or, hey, you, know, you, you give us some money and let us run these experiments, we're gonna find a way where you can manipulate reality just by your own thought. You know, who, who's gonna get the donation? So of course, you know, they love that sort of thing. Uh, th those are the types of theologies that they get into, and that, that's why observation, uh, knowing the difference between observation and interpretation uh, is so vital in our world today. We, we can't ignore science anymore. We're, we're headed into a quantum future, in a sense. So we need to be, you know, at least aware of the things that they're doing and the basic ideas behind them so we, we can know how to defend against them. It's a real weird science is what it is. And, you know, you mentioned Nimrod. Now, in Babylon, the son of perdition devised the Shiner Directive, the enslaving of humanity and the war against God in heaven. And, of course, God's intervention at the Tower of Babel only delayed these hellish plans. Yet you fast forward to now and you look at CERN. It's like the labors of Mystery Babylon have been quietly planning and waiting for thousands of years for the releasing of the watchers of Genesis 6 and now armed with the developing technology will the elite use this new weird science to build the Joel chapter 2 army the army of the antichrist because we're really beginning to realize that this mark of the beast and the image of the beast and all this technology is affecting our DNA and who we are at a very molecular level. So it's like the powers of Mystery Babylon are gathering to create the new Tower of Babel and prepare for the Son of Perdition's return. That's really what it's looking like, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You said it perfectly. Well, I really appreciate everything you've given to this discussion today, Josh, because again, we're looking at some very frightening scenarios. Now, in the waning moments, I'd like you to give out your information on how people can not only access your website, but also get your books. Absolutely. Uh, my website is ministry.com. All my information's on there. If people want to get a hold of me, my email's Josh Peck Disclosure. I'm more than happy to uh, write back. I, I try to write back to every email I get, unless it's uh, offensive. I won't reply to those. We never get any of those, do we? <laughs> <laughs> 
no, everybody's perfect, good Christians. And well, I was actually, it's funny, them. that's how you and I kind of started chatting, because we really have one thing in common, and it's our YouTube videos and podcasts, some of the vile comments from these so-called Christians. I mean, that is really, you know, I mean, it's one thing to have a conversation and talk about different opinions, because let's face it, there's a lot of different opinions. And I said to you, I mean, if I only had people that had the only opinion, just my own opinion on my show, that wouldn't be make for very many guests. It'd be like three guests. So it's really people have got to stop this whole abhorrent, filthy, disgusting swearing and stuff on these comments. I mean, people stop it. I just want to tell you that that's just not okay, is it? Yeah. And, and I mean, for for people like you and I, who, you know, we have shows, uh, you know, my, my show's The Sharpening Report. And I mean, it grieves us to have to read that stuff. I, I don't even check my YouTube messages anymore. And I disabled comments on YouTube. I can't, I just can't deal with it. Because with, with YouTube, it's people people could be more anonymous, I guess, you know, it's not like fate. I mean, I, I get some I get some on Facebook, too. But not nearly as much as YouTube. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, since since when is it okay for Christians to act like that? We're supposed to be loving and respectful and realize that you know we're brothers and sisters. We're all on the same side. It doesn't mean we always have to agree. But you know, we're the body of Christ. Some people are a hand, some are an eye, some are an ear. You know, we have different functions, and and there are things that are mysterious, things that we're not gonna know for absolute sure, even though people like to think that. Like the whole rapture thing, you know, there are people that there are people that say that will say I, I've heard this about every rapture view. Well, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. Every single one I've heard. I've heard a Christian say that about <laughs> why does it have to be that? Why can't it just be? Oh, that's a difference of opinion. That's interesting. What leads you to that belief? Here's what I believe and why. Great. You know, and then you learn something new. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but you can be respectful about it. And, you know, I mean, I don't know that I, I don't want to get too much on a tangent because I'll take up your whole show just talking about that. But I absolutely agree. We got to get we got we got to get back in a state where we're conversing with each other lovingly and out of respect. And I mean, if for nothing else, you don't know if that thing that you say is going to be the last thing that that person has to read, you know, because we, we don't know when we're going to have to leave this earth, whether rapture or death. We have no idea. You know, I, I could I could have a brain aneurysm and drop dead before this interview is even done. You know, we don't know to, to the people that are writing the, this this filth, that thing that you're writing, that could be the last thing that person has to read before seeing Jesus. Now, how horrible would that be uh but i mean that's just one of many reasons that we shouldn't be uh talking to each other like that uh but yeah that's oh man that's been a big frustration with me i i'm i i can i i can sympathize i'm right there with you <laughs> <laughs> well again we're supposed to be salt and light and again there's just no room for that kind of behavior there's a clarion call for us to be disciples of jesus christ and ambassadors and that's certainly not reflective of that but in any event josh it was so good to have you on the program i'm so glad that you came on and i do hope that you come back and see us soon absolutely and i'd love to have you on my show too Oh, thanks. I would be honored. Folks, that was Josh Peck. His information is linked there at today's October 6th bio at weekendvigilante.com. Do check out his books and his interviews. Very good stuff. I just want to remind everyone that tickets are going fast for Hear the Watchmen. So do get your tickets for that. If you go to my website on the right-hand side, halfway down, you can click on that link. And it'll take you right to the page and you can get your tickets. 
March 18th to the 20th, Dallas, Texas. It's going to be an incredible event. Amazing lineup of speakers, Pastor David Langford, Coach Dave Daubemeyer, Paul McGuire, many amazing men, and the Hagmans and I will be there as well. It's going to be fantastic, and I cannot wait to meet you. So do get out to that. It's going to be great. I'm working on Remnant Roundup, so I'm planning on a launch for January 2016, an online tool to connect everyone to people in their areas. I think it's going to be amazing, and I've had it on my heart for a long time, and I'm going to be glad to see it come into fruition. I get so many emails. People don't go to church, and they're really looking for fellowship, and I'm very, very excited to launch that because I just think that's an amazing tool to get the end time saints connected in their areas. I think it's really important and it costs money to do that. So that's the only thing that's been prohibiting me. There is cost involved in putting that together. So I'd appreciate it if people would donate to that project. There is a donate button there at weekendvigilante.com. People want it. So people have to get behind that financially as well. We have an amazing lineup the rest of the week. We have Miss Carla Butad. She's proof don't mess with Texas. She's on tomorrow. And then Thursday, Patrick Wood. That's going to be a fantastic show. And constitutional lawyer Chris Ann Hall is on Friday to talk about something very frightening. And that's going to be a fantastic show. Thank you all for tuning in to the broadcast today. See you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.